0: The core element is to ensure that there's an earlier interaction between products and marketing. And I think that, as I say, it's about clear, concise, rational and data-backed information.
1: B2B has the potential to be electrifying, but the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas, it's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello, and welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Benedict, and today I am joined by CMO of Sales Mango, Ian McLeod. Ian, a very, very warm welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Really excited. Excellent. Well, I've given your
1: job title and I've given your company name. That really doesn't scratch the surface, I'm sure. So the floor is yours if you want to just give a little bit of an introduction to yourself and orientate yourself for the the viewers.
0: Of course. Uh, so yeah, so uh, as Benedict says, I'm the CMO of Sales Manago. Uh, Sales Manigo is a customer engagement platform uh, based out of Poland uh, and has been growing rapidly uh, in kind of Eastern and Central Europe and Southern Europe. Uh, and we're embarking on, on bringing uh, our kind of world-class um, customer engagement platform, which is essentially a a customer data platform with omni-channel execution, Um, and we're bringing it to to kind of Western Europe at the the moment, Uh, and as I say, it's been, uh, I've been with the business for uh, just under a year, so joined middle of last year. My kind of wider background is uh, predominantly kind of B2B SaaS, uh, uh, predominantly within startups and kind of scale-ups, everything from kind of Series A all the way through to Series C and beyond, both private equity and, uh, and VC-backed. Uh, before that, I worked at a few other kind of bigger businesses. Uh, Paddy Power uh, is one of the most marketers uh, know of, uh, but before that, Daily Mail uh, group as well. Uh, and like I say, some, some successful exits uh, and some, some not-so-successful uh, startups uh, as well. So I've kind of seen all sides. I've always kind of prided myself on having a nice blended uh, background uh, in terms of industries and verticals. So I've worked across, uh, say, gambling, e-commerce, uh, hotel technology, financial services. Um, so I've kind of seen seen it all. Hopefully.
1: Well, I mean, I, I've never I've never met a B two B marketer that actually has come from Paddy Power, which is the you know has that wonderful extreme <laughs> depending on you know people's perspective that wonderful extreme of sort of b2c marketing so that must be a really really interesting experience to have brought forward now before we get into the conversation i actually just want to ask you and we're going you know wildly wildly off sort of track here but sales mango um, what what's sort of the mango
0: so sales mango is uh, it's a polish uh, polish word for management so uh, oh. the platform originally started as a, uh, even though it's a kind of mar- it's focused on marketers, uh, it's a it's a marketing platform for e-commerce businesses, essentially uh, connecting all of your customer data, zero-party data, all of the kind of website engagement from your customers, and then providing, as I say, an omni-channel execution solution across email, uh, website push. Uh, and all of the ways to engage your customers. Oh. So yeah, it was uh, it's uh, as I say, an interesting name. Um, but we're 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 keen to kind of bring it to Western Europe and, and see the impact. Fantastic.
1: I, I was I was assuming there was some de- deep metaphor that I just didn't understand around the fruit. Um, but actually, no, it's uh, it is the it's the translation. So <laughs> it is, it like, is. <laughs> Thanks for clearing clearing that up. I was, certainly that was a, a question mark that I had. Um when I first saw it, so today um, we're going to be talking about one of the key relationships that need to exist within um, businesses to be successful, and that's that relationship between the product teams, so the people who are actually designing, developing um, the product or service which the business is built on, and then those people who are actually responsible for telling that story, bringing people in, making sure that product gets in right in front of the right people, and that is marketing. And the provocative truth that I want to use to kick us off is that, from my perspective, too often, whilst there is you know some nice platitudes that people talk the talk, there's a fundamental misalignment often between where the product teams are operating, where the marketing teams are operating. And whilst there is that misalignment, it's going to be to the detriment of the business. Is that something that you've seen within B2B?
0: hundred percent. I think everyone talks about kind of the key relationships for marketing. And one of the first things they talk about is sales. Uh, So marketing and sales have to be aligned and there has to be that kind of connectivity between the two organizations. Um, But for me, as you say, it's actually marketing needs to have that close relationship with the product team. Uh, Marketing is all about stimulating demand for the product or service. And if you're unable to articulate exactly the product truths, the value proposition in the correct way, you're never really able to do marketing effectively. Uh, And and therefore, for me, especially within uh, uh, kind of technology businesses, to have that close relationship, and I think that that's why functions like product marketing has become so so prevalent in, in today's kind of B2B marketing, is to create that connection between amazing product uh, product managers and the product development teams, but also having that seamless connection into how do we then tell that story? How do we then uh, communicate those product uh, kind of value points correctly to our end cons- consumers? And I say, I think it's, it's, it's usually overlooked of that kind of when you kind of draw a, an organizational diagram. It's kind of, oh, let's put sales and marketing together. Let's put kind of product and, and R&D or technology together. And I think we we forget that, and obviously CS and customer customer support sits there centrally, um, connecting the two. But I think far too often there's there's uh, within a lot of organisations I've either seen or, or been around is that that devoid of having that clear relationship between product uh, and marketing.
1: And why why do you think the the problem is? I mean, you talk there about the sort of the the structural aspect. You know, is it the sort of the the communication? Is it that product teams are bad at actually distilling down what those benefits are that marketers can use? Or is it fundamentally that some marketers either don't spend the time or just don't understand the product well enough?
0: It's amazing. It's to think that that we're tasked with explaining to people who don't know what the product is. Uh, And yet when you you talk to a lot of marketers, they don't actually understand their own product. Uh, and and not they, they kind of know the what's in the sales deck or what the value proposition says but really getting under the hood of the product of how does it support our customers how does it provide that value uh it's amazing to see that there, there isn't that connection but as i said so i think marketing plays a major major role if i've always believed that there's output and input and this is why i do a lot of work with product marketers on is that Marketing's job is not just an output format. It's not just to output or look outwards into the world and tell the story outwards. Marketing has a huge responsibility in terms of input into the business. What's happening in the industry? What's happening with competition? What are we hearing from our our customers? What are we hearing in the market? that needs to then be fed back into the product teams. Obviously, some of the greatest product teams I've worked with and some of the, the best product managers, they have their kind of ear to the ground. They're, they're speaking to customers regularly. But I, I do think one of the, one of the failures that, that I've seen uh, from a marketing side is we don't do enough talking to customers ourselves uh, and really understanding how we are. they are seeing the benefits of the product and how do we then... Translate that and take that out to to continue to to grow awareness uh, and promotion of of the product. So, yeah, I think it's critical to have marketing as that input as well as the output.
1: Mm. And I think the input thing is is interesting. And it's certainly something which I and I've got a clear bias. I work more within the marketing sort of world and the product world, but certainly something that I will always say to marketers is that you are the the eyes and the ears of the business. And therefore, mm-hmm. you should be bringing that intelligence of what's going on within the marketplace, what's our sort of audience is saying, and feeding that into things like new product development. However, mm-hmm. I do imagine there's a little bit of a attention because a lot of product teams will say, "Well, no, we run market research, um, sort of, and we take the results of that market research, and that's what informs it." its it is it there? Is, it, is there a tension there, or are there other reasons why marketing is not successfully being that sort of input that you described?
0: I think I think there's there should be a healthy tension i think mm. i think uh, product teams historically have built features and functions within products with the best intent uh that they believe that this is the right thing to evolve a product in a certain direction uh and as i say the best ones um, create those ideas and the, those features based on market research, based on understanding uh, and identifying market opportunities uh, that are happening uh, uh, for the product. But I do think that there has to be that support from a commercial side, um, because I, it goes back to, and I'm sure this quote is is overly used. Um, but uh, back to kind of the days of Ford when saying if you asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. So there has to be some kind of uh, innovation that's predominantly coming from, from, from the product teams. But as you say, marketers have to be the eyes and ears in terms of commercially, what can we do to insight demand for, for the product? And what is it that's going to kind of cut through the noise? Because uh, as I say, we don't want to just build features for kind of just from a brand awareness point of view, or just to kind of stimulate some form of market uh, intent that has to be useful and it has to kind of deliver on the value. But as I say, I think having both of those angles with marketers understanding what's happening in the competitive landscape, making sure that we understand our ICP, what is the the elements that are going to really resonate with with those those prospects? What's going to help things essentially get through the sales funnel? Uh, Because, we could have a, a, a great product and we could be developing all the right angles. But if there's certain friction within the, within the sales funnel and, and certain friction in terms of how we're actually promoting that story uh, around the value proposition, it's never truly going to work. So I think that working together uh, and i uh, i always believe that it's not kind of a singular responsibility uh and that's why as i say product marketing then brings all of the expertise from from product uh as well as that kind of more commercial understanding from from the marketing teams
1: do you, do you think that there'll always be exceptions but do you think um almost as a sort of a a a standard product teams are not commercial enough and that actually is something which they there needs to be a recognition of and and a work on
0: again um it's provocative truth. So uh, I think, yeah. in general, the best product teams I've ever worked with, uh, and I can name many, um, do have a commercial understanding of we need to build a product that sells. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I have also worked with product teams that they build a product they want to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they feel like, I don't know, certain elements of innovation or certain elements of I mean, cool features, like, cool features are cool, but they, they can kind of be constrained within their thinking in terms of these are the things I want to build because this is the vision I have for the product. Uh, and as I say, it's ultimately they're not, it's not their responsibility um, per se. I think everyone should have a commercial mindset, but I think it is on marketing and, and sales uh, definitely to be able to provide that additional element of what is going to sell in the market. Uh, and that's ultimately the responsibility of the go-to-market teams to be able to feed that back into the product.
1: And so from your from your experience, being a marketer in a number of different organizations, uh, predominantly sort of tech organizations, as, as you've just sort of described there, what do the ideal forums and also what does the ideal... Information look like for that input. You know how do marketers go about making sure that they are influencing and guiding the product development to make sure that it's commercially mm-hmm. viable, and that's fundamental to business is to make sure that the product sells.
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges that I've seen, uh, and this is this is quite prevalent in a, in a lot of businesses, is marketing are often brought in at too later stage within the roadmap development. <laughs> so it's it's here's a kind of version A or, or kind of beta version of the roadmap. Here's how we want to evolve the product, and at that point, marketing is brought in to be like, okay, well, how are you going to price, package, promote uh, this feature that we're developing? And I think the the core element is to ensure that there's an earlier interaction between product and marketing. And I think that as I say, it's about clear, concise, rational, and data backed information uh, around what's happening in the market what does our ICP want and what's happening in the competitor landscape uh, to really kind of provide that information that becomes uh, and, and is articulated well in a very clear and concise way back to product at an earlier stage when they're in their ideation phase of, of how to evolve different parts of the, of the platform or product or service. That to me is the, the the ultimate challenge is making sure that there is that acceptance from the product side, that there are some additional uh, uh, uh inputs that they can take before then kind of plotting out provisional roadmaps
1: it, it strikes me in many respects that um, the proposition should not just mm-hmm. be at the end where marketing inherit something from product and we build a proposition around that product actually if we think about the beginning of that sort of product development stage there should be a um, a beta version, if you like, of a proposition yeah. or a hypothesis of a proposition we're saying, well look, this would sell based on um, the gaps in the market from a competitive perspective and the mm-hmm. needs and the interest from an, an audience and client um, and customer perspective mm-hmm. product. How do we achieve that? What is best going to match up from a features and benefits perspective? Did, do you ever sort of use that language of let's define a prototype proposition? Um, And then let's build a product to sort of meet that.
0: Yeah, I think every uh, kind of product proposition or value proposition, Mm. uh, it needs to be memorable. It needs to be persuasive. uh, It needs to be easy to remember and easy to communicate. And I think Mm. that then has to translate into, into the product. I mean, one of the... The key things around this, this topic is the fact that if if product go off on a tangent or marketing go off on a tangent, and there is no synergy between them, and as I say, if marketing are taking to market a value proposition around X, Y, Z, but products are actually not backing up that with actual mm. features that that support that messaging. So, yeah, I think the. Value propositions and and product propositions evolve as the market evolves, as your customer evolves, as you move into different territories. As I say, we're at Sales Manager, we're going through a big exercise in terms of uh, kind of growing our our awareness within the kind of Western Europe uh, area. And there are certain things within our value proposition that need to change. And there are certain things within our product proposition that need to be evolved to suit the requirements uh, and, and the needs and the pain points of Western European marketers versus Mm. Southern European marketers. So understanding from a geographical point of view, I think that is where marketing brings in that we have an ICP, we have a a proposition, but how do we evolve that for who our ICP is and how we're going to market in different countries, different territories, different verticals, different segments of, of the market? I think that's all tangible information that needs to be delivered back into product
1: and you've used keyword there about how it's got to evolve there's got to be a degree of sort of fluidity to it now it needs to stay true to sort of the the, the ultimate sort of proposition of the the business mm-hmm. and the brand but we have to evolve and for things to evolve it means that there needs to be those almost like real time feedback loops and i we talked earlier about sort of what are those forums from from your experience, what is the frequency of communication? What is the forums of communication that you've had with product teams that have been a real, real marker of success?
0: Yeah, I think uh, as I say, in in the in the technology world, things move quickly. Uh there's no longer we can have these quarterly planning meetings or building out a marketing plan or a or a roadmap. I mean, I remember talking to my to my VP of product at Sales Manager, and he's just like, we just don't do year-long roadmaps. Like we, we don't even do kind of half yearly roadmaps. We've got some ideas that we're working on now and we've got some areas that we're we're focused on researching before we then commit to. And I think I remember five, ten years ago it was, well, we have to provide this is our roadmap for the year. And I think especially within SAS where people are buying into a, a longer period of time with a with a piece of software, for example. Then there was that, oh, that. Well, people need to see what we're doing for the next year, two years, or three years. And as I say, technology is evolving so quickly, the markets are changing, the economic environment is changing. But you don't want to be kind of haphazard and, and, and reactive. All time, uh, immediately, you have, to have that kind of core focus of what you're trying to achieve, and that's where you think around mission and vision. What are you ultimately yeah. trying to get to? And that then you have that kind of the fluidity within that to be able to adjust to market conditions. I would say from a, from what's worked really well for me, we have obviously uh, our opportunity win rate. So opportunities of win and opportunities that we lose within our sales funnel. Uh, and it's something that we involve product into on a weekly basis. So we mm-hmm. go through opportunities that we've lost that week uh, and we go through the, the reasons why we've lost those opportunities uh, and, is it the platform doesn't have feature X or feature Y, uh, and making sure that we communicate and actually product are involved to ask those questions. It's it's not about well the go to market teams can assess we lost this amount of opportunities based on not having feature X. Well, let's actually speak to why is feature X not in the platform mm. because they say you can't especially you, you can't you can't please everybody. You're you're never going to have this all encompassing product. There's always going to be an element where something isn't right for, for an end consumer. So you need to balance the reactive nature of of that kind of really quick cadence of information. And you can't you can't every week go, oh we need to go and build this because one person said that that they wanted to have this. It's just like once you understand your ICP. Once you've got a clear focus on on who your your target audience is and who are your best performing customers, which customers are going to see the most value from your platform, you then need to just aggregate that. And if there's trends in the information, and if there's something that that's being highlighted or competitive losses, we're always losing to competitor X because of Y. Well, then let's go and address that. Um, but again, I think one of the one of the misconceptions is, well, competitor X doesn't have this feature, so let's go and build it. Uh, sometimes you have to take a step back and think. Well, why don't they have that? Why, like, is it a gap that we can go and exploit? I and mean, is there an opportunity in the market to really own uh, and, and drive forward some some impact in that area? Or is it a fact that that's actually um, more of a vanity area that that we want to avoid? So yeah, I think for me, weekly involvement with with the product teams uh, in terms of those opportunity conversions. Why do we win? Why do we lose? Uh, why do we lose the certain competition? And really trying to ensure that that information goes directly to to the heart of the product.
1: I, I think that let's see. I mean, look, clearly, as you said, you can't be changing all the time. It's got to you've got to aggregate that and see where the meaningful trends are. But I think that mm-hmm. even almost just like on a human level, getting the product team to be receptive to making that to build that awareness week in week out in terms of what what is going on just makes such a substantial difference in terms of mm-hmm. how you can collaborate with them. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that definitely definitely sounds like a, a really positive thing. Uh, now what, what I wanted to sort of just ask my penultimate question um, actually, so I think we've just talked there about how we can sort of be including product in those sort of meetings, making sure the product understand what's going on within the marketplace better. Um, Mm -hmm. But there is a sort of a reverse of that, which touches on something you mentioned earlier about, well, how do we get um, marketers to better understand product? And sometimes Mm -hmm. products are pretty complicated. um, And to really understand the use case, you've got to be sort of involved in it. But what advice would you give to marketers about how they can better understand, better conceptualize the use of of their products? What, What do they need to do? I think the key word
0: you use there is the use of the product. Because mm. I think every onboarding I've had into SaaS businesses it's stick with the VP of product and he's going to show you or somebody within the product team, he's going to show you how the product works. And therefore you get this kind of like core demo and then potentially you'll go into a couple of sales calls early on and you'll see how, how we're then taking the product. And how we're pitching it. The actual use of the product comes from talking to customers. I mean, some of the most insightful information I've ever gathered, which was real kind of light bulb moments, was like, oh, wow, we think everyone's using our product this way. Actually, nobody is. Everyone's using it this way. And like I say, having a real understanding of not just what your product is or how to talk about your product, it's actually how do people use it. And I think that mm. that is the, the kind of core element. You have to speak to customers. You have to shadow customers. You have to just ask them, can I just spend a day with you and see how you actually use this product? Oh yeah, I do this, this, and this. It's like, wow, we always thought people just went into the menu and then did this and then this. You've shown me that you go directly here or uh, you use this in a different way than we actually expected. And I think, as I say, understanding the use of the product. Uh, I, I can't think of any, any examples off the top of my head, but I've genuinely thought, oh, we, we sell to CMOs or we sell to people and they, they use our product for this. And then you're like, well, it's like, it's like realizing that all these people, I don't know, it's a silly example, but selling shoes, but everyone's wearing it on, them, on their hands. It's like you sell shoes, you're told that it's for people's feet. But if you suddenly found out that actually everyone's just wearing them on their hands, you're like, wow, our product has a different use case. Uh, And how do we exploit that? So for me, I I would say my number one advice is you have to speak to customers. You have to understand customers' actual use of the software because no matter how much you tell them this is the best way to do this or this or this, I assure you that probably 90% of your customers are using your your platform or your product or your service in a way that you don't realize.
1: And also, until you get to a point of understanding the use, then you're never going to be able to talk about the value That they will actually derive from using it you're always going to be stuck on features of the product which as we know is highly ineffective in terms Mm -hmm. of actually communicating why somebody should purchase your product your service or or whatever whatever Mm -hmm. it might be Um, so yeah all roads lead back to the to the the customer that 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 was great Mm -hmm. so before before i let you leave um i really want to ask you what we call our house question Now, obviously, we've been talking a lot around uh, product, and we've been talking a lot about how we can sort of take those insights, make sure that that builds the product better. But also, there is an emotional aspect of getting a proposition in front of customers, making people buy it. Uh, And that's what my final question is sort of a little bit interested in. Um, I'm interested to know, when was the last time that you saw any marketing? Now, it can be B2B marketing, but equally, it can also be B2C marketing that made you feel it in your guts, that really moved you on a deep emotional level?
0: Um, it's probably not a most recent example, but I would say the, the, the number one for me, uh, B2B marketing approach. They always. I mean, I have read the book, Eating the Big Fish, about kind of creating a category and disrupting market leaders. It's something that I'm very passionate about. The, the ultimate for me was always Slack. I mean, Slack had a very, very simple uh, message to the market, which was kill email. They haven't killed email. Email. I'm looking at my inbox now. It's still it's still as scary as it was once. But it was emotive. It was it was for, for those days when I wake up in the morning and I've got 400 emails in my inbox and I'm just like. But they, and, and and they played into that emotion. They understood the the pain points that that people have, and they crafted the most simplistic, uh, but most uh, emotive kind of marketing campaign and i've read lots about kind of slack's early early kind of growth and obviously predominantly driven by word of mouth and that goes back to the point of having a great product if you have a great product and you get people to use it that 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 will fly on its own but for me they just added that extra layer of marketing of of actually eating the big fish going disruptive and not just targeting a, a competitor or anything like that they were actually targeting a, a kind of way of working or, 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 a, or a standard accepted practice of, of the way people work was as you are a slave to your, your emails. So I think for me, that was the most emotive. It was the one that, as I say, I think was, was critical to see to see their growth uh, happen so so quickly, was just identifying the ultimate pain point and coming up with the ultimate solution, and um, which was kill email, use this product, instant messaging is the way forward. So for me, that's probably the most emotive, and I would say probably the one that's happened recently. I don't, I'm not sure you could call it a marketing campaign, but my my kind of skeptical nature usually does. It's obviously Patagonia, where where they came out and essentially the founder uh, kind of put the whole of his shares in in a kind of trust uh, for all of the profits to go back into into kind of charity or sustainable organizations. And that was part of their value proposition, their value proposition as a business was all about being ecological, sustainable, uh, and instead of just kind of saying words, they actually put their kind of money where their mouth is, so to speak, and and actually made such a a huge uh, kind of unheard of before, that. as I say, the founder literally giving up the whole of his company and giving it back to the world, giving it back to to the earth, I think was, was the terminology used. Again, that that resonated with me and it was really emotive to me because that goes to, if you have a value proposition, if you have a clear messaging, if you have a story, you've got to stand by your story. Either your product or your actions need to stand by the value proposition you have. You can't just say, we're sustainable, we're ecological. They actually went and did the ultimate, and that's giving away all of their revenue. Um, so yeah, to me, it's, it comes back to that value proposition. If you've got a value proposition, then either go hard with a marketing message that will identify and provide a clear solution to, to your audience's pain points, or actually back up the value prop- proposition that you have, either with your product or with an action that actually gets their audience and community to believe in your value proposition rather than it just being words.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and funnily enough, you know, we, a unifying sort of feature between those two examples, you're on the face of it, is so, so different is actually just that that clear um and also commitment to a mission. You know, <laughs> we mm-hmm. Patagonia it is about giving back back to the earth and let's make sure that we're true to that mission. And funnily enough, on a much sort of more you know, uh, semi trivial level, I suppose, uh, with Slack, it's about kill email. Now, kill email is a great message. It resonates with your target audience, but also it's really, really clear with, okay, well, we are as an organization. That's what we're about. We are on a, a mission to to kill email, and it becomes very, very directional. Um, so, a huge amount that we've, um, I think, probably could take out of the conversation we've had today, a huge amount to learn about how we can. Bridge that gap between product and marketing. You know, how do we improve the, the structures? How do we improve the communication? How do we create those forums? How do we make sure that um, marketing invests the time to actually learn on product? But I think that the really big takeout, and you know, this is you know potentially a takeout that could apply in a lot of different situations, is talk to your customer. You know, it's mm-hmm. absolutely transformative if you can create those opportunities to get real observation or real feedback from the people that are ultimately buying your product, it means you can build a better value proposition. It means you can market better, but also within the context of this conversation, it means you can build better, more relevant, more attractive, more appealing products as well. So I think the, yeah. the lesson, as is often the case, is spend some bloody time with your customers, it's really, really, really worth it in terms of what you'll be able to pick up. So um, Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much for joining me on The um, Provocative Truth. Thanks for having me. B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen agencycom You can stream B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.